0: it's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to The Right Conversations. Today, we are having a conversation that has been a long time in the making, <laughs> um, and I am so excited to bring this topic to you and this person to you today. We are having a conversation all about compersion with Marie Tuin, and if you are listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, I can't wait, I've been wanting to learn more about that great. And if you're hearing me right now and thinking what the fuck is conversion? Great. Also, that is okay. We are going to break this emotion, this experience down. We're going to talk all about it. So, whether you're experienced in it or are just hearing the word for the first time today, tune in. Don't 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 click off yet. Um Marie, welcome. Welcome to the Right Conversations.
1: Thank you. It's so good to be here.
0: So tell us about you, who you are, what you do, what lights you up.
1: Mm. So first, I'm a dating and relationship coach. That is what has been lighting me up the most in the last several years of my life, working with people to create great love lives, whether they're dating or in relationships. Um, And then I'm also a compersion scholar and researcher. So since I did my PhD, I did this big study um, on compersion with people who are non-monogamous and experience that that set of emotions, thoughts, feelings, actions, attitudes. Um, And I've been really investigating the topic more and more ever since. So that's like the scholarly part of me. And then there's the coach part of me.
0: Love that. So how did you get into being interested in compersion to begin with?
1: So I was never comfortable with mononormativity. And Mm. mononormativity is this idea, this assumption that we all kind of grow up with that monogamy is the ideal or the only really legitimate way of building a romantic relationship. And I remember since, you know, I started having relationships and high school and college, that the idea that you could only really be committed to one person at a time, somehow never felt right to me. It never felt natural. I was always questioning it. So it led me down the path of really investigating, well, who are the people who are doing things differently, who are not following this default and this norm, and how are they succeeding? And, and what are the challenges and what are the opportunities of that kind of relating that is consensually non-monogamous? So many, many years later, when I decided to do a PhD in psychology, that was really the topic that felt, I would say, the most crucial for me to understand. And compersion is such an under-researched topic. And there's so much opportunity to understand, like, what is... What is the map? Like, what are the factors that really promote compersion and what are the things that hinder it? And we're going to talk more about what is compersion to begin with. And I'm never advocating, like, oh, if you're not experiencing compersion, you're not doing uh, consensual non monogamy right. That's a trap. But typically, there is a correlation between the experience of compersion and relationship satisfaction in those relationships. Mm. So I really wanted to know, like, what What does it take?
0: So let's start from, let's rewind for anybody who's like, what, what are you talking about? What is compersion?
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, the, I would say the traditional definition, how we have traditionally understood compersion um, is the shared joy that people can feel towards their partners, other relationships, so typically, we understand it as an emotion, but through my research, I've also discovered that we can have compersive attitudes and compersive actions and thoughts. So just a month ago, I co-authored a encyclopedia definition of compersion in the Springer Encyclopedia of Sexual Psychology and Behavior with Dr. Sharon Flicker, and we agreed to actually publish a three-part definition, and that's the first real you know, quote, unquote, official, you know, scholarly definition of it. And, you know, it's based on our research. And the first part is the range of emotions, the positive emotions that people feel in regards to their partner's other relationships, where they're experiencing joy and good emotions. The second part of the definition is the set of thoughts, attitudes, and actions that people experience in connection to their partner's other relationships. And then the third definition we added is just positive empathy in other contexts because really people can experience that feeling of positive empathy of being happy with and for other people outside of non-monogamy.
0: So what is the difference then? Like, okay, if I were to feel happy for my partner about something that they were doing with a friend Mm -hmm. versus feeling happy for my partner with something that they're doing with another partner, Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in that?
1: The difference is really only the context. I mean, it's 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 positive empathy. It's very very similar in quality. It's just that in the romantic realm, we are socialized to think that's impossible. We're socialized to think that just cannot happen because we're supposed to only feel jealous, you know, we assume that jealousy is the only valid response. To those kinds of situations but really the study of conversion shows that it's not it's not the only possible response and i mean oftentimes jealousy and conversion will coexist and cohabitate in the same relationship in the same moment even sometimes which can be really interesting it's like being bittersweet or having conflicting or or opposite experiences all at once so there's maybe more complexity there in the romantic realm oftentimes but i mean it's it's not that different at the core of it
0: that's really interesting so okay you mentioned jealousy and compersion being able to coexist and mm-hmm. this is uh, zoomed out the idea that two emotions that seemingly clash can coexist at the same time is something that i work with a lot with clients you know it comes from dbt this dialectics that like you can feel happy and sad at the same time to take a really basic one um mm-hmm. what do you see in your work when these two things come up together can you give an example or context for people who are like i don't like what do you mean they can go exist at the same time
1: Mhm. Yeah. Well, oftentimes there's um people who come to me and they say like, you know, I'm really on board mentally with my partner having this other relationship. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's great. I want my partner to be happy with this other person. There's no objective sense of threat. They're respectful to me, etc. But there's still this feeling in my gut that something bad is happening. I have this sense of dread. Um, what do I do? You know, is there a way to just feel everything in alignment? So I would say the more, the more typical expression of that duality is attitudinal compersion and embodied kind of visceral jealousy. So
0: how can someone cultivate more compersion? Mm-hmm.
1: So that's really the main question that my research answered. And there's six factors that people can look at and put more energy towards, depending on which ones maybe need more energy and more attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, the, the global answer is that it's about context. Um, mm. You don't necessarily just invoke conversion. I mean, I think you can, you know, get used to the idea that you could feel it and, and, and hope to feel it. But more mm-hmm. importantly, is to create a context that will be fertile to it arising more easily. And the factors are one, the ideological commitment to consensual non-monogamy values. Um, and that means, you know, being on board mentally. If people are P-U-D, poly under duress, maybe they've been dragged into non-monogamy by a partner and they're not totally on board with it, it's going to be a lot harder to feel compersion. So first, you know, make sure that your mind is aligned with what you're doing as much as possible. And Mm. that can, you know, include listening to more podcasts, reading books, kind of cultivating um, more of a intellectual ecosystem that is not mononormative because of course we grew up with so many monogamous models and to you know like go into a different paradigm requires some exposure to new um new relationship models and new information
0: so almost like the the combination of unlearning and then re and learning
1: yeah exactly. Okay. exactly so that's
0: one mm-hmm.
1: number 2 is security within ourselves. And that is typically, you know, like, am I feeling um, prey to self-deprecation or feeling less than, or am I even resourced, you know, with my own individual needs? Have I slept well? (laughs) Have I eaten well? Am I doing okay with my work? There's a lot of things in the individual realm that will um, create more security and more of a sense of abundance and generosity and being able to Um, maybe take some emotional risks. So kind of what is happening in your own individual self and mind and body. Okay. Number three is the security that you have in your relationship. So, Mm. and that, you know, has to do with trust and communication and respecting agreements and feeling really solid with a partner. Because when you don't have as much threat that your partner would leave you for someone else, you know, when you don't have a sense that this person is one foot out or maybe you're one foot out, then Mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot more of a sense of, sure, like you can be with someone else. Like our relationship is not under threat here.
0: So I want to ask a follow-up question on this one, if Mm -hmm. that's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I was doing, um, I do... AMAs on Instagram a lot. And Mm -hmm. a question that I have been getting a lot recently relates to part of what you just said is this third thing, Mm -hmm. which is how do I know, I being the person submitting the question, how do Mm -hmm. I know how to create more security for myself Mm -hmm. and my relationship? Right. And, you know, the therapist in me is like, I can't answer that question. Like we we have to work together to figure this out. Like it's not a universal, you know, but I'm wondering if in your research, since this, the word security and, and safety came up in this way to cultivate more compersion, is there anything that you would recommend or that have seen more statistically evident um, mm-hmm. or relevant uh, mm-hmm to help create more security to then, in turn, cultivate potentially more compersion.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. There are things like having relationship agreements that everyone respects and abides to. And knowing that relationship agreements don't have to be set in stone, uh, maybe you start with taking a level of risk that each person feels comfortable enough with, and then maybe you expand it when you have built a bigger comfort zone. So being really on top of those agreements and respecting them, having really great communication. So maybe having containers for communication, especially when people are opening up from monogamy, they need to have a lot of, I would say, um, reserve time to communicate, to also have a lot of joy in their relationship and not just go off and focus exclusively on new relationships that can be tempting when there's new relationship energy totally um and also having strategies for reassurance and oftentimes Mm. people will have an agreement where they say like you know it's always okay to come to each other for reassurance even if it can seem kind of childish or petty like hey i'm feeling kind of insecure right now can you you know give me some reassurance in a way that feels really good. Can you hug me? Can you kiss me? Can you take me out for dinner? You know, to ask for reassurance when it's needed. Yeah. Beautiful. But Those these are, really are some helpful. of the ways. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So that's three.
1: Yes. Number four is the connection with the metamors. So your partner's other partners, how do you feel about them? You don't have to be best friends with them, but if you feel that they are people who will treat your partner well and add to the plate and respect you and your boundaries, you're going to feel, or you're going to have an easier time feeling conversion for their relationship rather than if you feel that, wow, they're really kind of out to try to snatch your partner, or maybe they're. You know, they have qualities that you just don't respect, or you think that they're taking away from the table rather than giving. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge one. And actually, some subsequent research by Dr. Sharon Flicker seemed to indicate that this might be the um the most weighty component in that picture. Really? Yeah.
0: What do you attribute that to, just to hypothetically? or your guess?
1: You know, I think that if you feel that someone is a threat, you dehumanize them, you Mm. stop your natural empathy towards them. You really, you know, like there's a whole nervous system activation happening where you just feel like this person is not good for me, not good for my relationship, not good for my relationship ecosystem. And then you. You you shut down your ability to care and love, versus when you know someone is just like really great and you feel good things about them and you humanize them and you feel like they're bringing stuff to your plate, then it's a lot easier to feel empathy not only for your partner but for them. So this you know there's a compersion. Compersion is not only towards your partner; it's also towards your metamors. And there's this. positive feedback loop that can happen when everyone is on the same page and on the same team. I love that.
0: The honeypot is more than the products in your bathroom cabinet. It's embracing that time of the month. It's staying balanced through the ups and downs, good sex and bad sex. It's exploring, it's learning, it's plant derived. Powered by herbs and science, the first complete personal care system to get you what you need when you need it. Check out the Honey Pot at Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and on theHoneyPot.co. You can enter code Rachel twenty. That's R A C H E L two zero for twenty percent off your first Honey Pot order on HoneyPot.co. So I know we have two more. I have a question off of this. Yeah. This one, if that's okay. Uh huh. What happens if you just don't like your metamorph? Like I I have a lot of clients that navigate this. Um, and again, a lot of questions submitted on Instagram of like, I want to feel compersion for my partner, and I do in theory feel happy for my partner, but like I can't fucking stand this person. <laughs> or like they they give me the heebie jeebies or like whatever the case may be, they're they're struggling to even understand why their partner likes them or Mm -hmm. why their partner wants to spend time. And I, of course, I'm not talking about like objective, like abuse or like nothing Mm -hmm. like that. Just Mm -hmm. like, I don't like them. I would not choose to spend time with them if this were just about myself.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, two things. One is, um, you know, you might not ever really get to that super emotional embodied compersion in that context and that has to be okay. You know, you don't have to always feel super happy for your relationship uh, for your partner's other relationships. um but if you want to try to cultivate that and try something new, I would say ask your partner to share more about what that other relationship means to them rather than just telling you what they do, you know, like what what happens when they're on a date like try to ask them more about the meaning that that relationship has for them so try to get a little bit more into your partner's mind and the more you can do that if there's a way to do that the more the more you might feel that positive empathy grow and the more you might actually humanize that metamore sometimes we don't really like someone and I mean, if possible, you can also try to see if you can meet up with them and have a conversation and ask them about their life, their struggles, their, you know, their family, you know, whatever. If you get to know someone, oftentimes you, I mean, you perceive them as less of a threat, but you also might start to feel a little bit more empathy towards them. So, you know, proximity can change things.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if proximity doesn't help and it's just like, I I don't, I don't like it.
1: Well, then just, you know, enjoy the fact that you can have attitudinal conversion and support your partner <laughs> and just let them be, you know, it's your, it's your choice. You want to date this person. It's not really my jam, but it doesn't really take away anything from me. So yeah. Great. You can yeah. you can be glad that you're at least neutral.
0: Yeah. The way that I not the way that I try to look at it and like when I'm teaching about things like this and you can tell me if this is off or not um mm-hmm. as the expert in this is like if my partner had a hobby that I really didn't understand yeah. like they were mm. like I just love going and like collecting spiders. I'd be like, I don't get this. I want to stay as far away as possible from spiders. But like you do you, babe, and like have a blast. Mm -hmm. And like in that framing, like what I wouldn't say, like, don't go do your hobby or like Mm -hmm. you can't Mm -hmm. have that hobby or please don't have that hobby. Like, I may not understand it, but like, I'm certainly not going to stop them. And that's kind of the, the viewpoint that I try
1: to encourage folks to have is that I love that. That is such a perfect analogy. Thank you for that. And I, yeah, if it's okay, I'm gonna use it in the future with my clients. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Steal <laughs> it away.
1: <laughs> this is great. This is great.
0: Good. I'm glad. Okay. Phew. Mm-hmm. Got did, did <laughs> that. So okay, the two two more. <laughs>
1: yeah. So the fifth one is the perception of benefits that your partner's other relationship might be bringing to you and or to your relationship with them. So oftentimes people feel like, oh, this is great that my partner is dating this other person because that allows me to feel more free to have other partners, to have more sexual and emotional diversity in my life. Um, It relieves me from the pressure of filling all of my partner's needs. That's a big one. Like, hey, they like to go camping and I don't great they found this other person they can go camping with i don't have to feel bad that i'm not going camping um it can be really gratitude for um feeling like you can live a life that is really aligned with your values so there's many points of gratitude and perception of benefits and i know you know like i think the fundamental spirit of compersion is to say it's positive empathy, even when you don't get any direct benefits, but Hey, benefits don't hurt. They actually do really enhance that feeling of compersion. Beautiful.
0: And finally, number six,
1: finally it's about the community. So it's the mm-hmm. social aspect of this ecosystem. So the more you are surrounded with other people who They don't shame you. They actually accept you and they validate you in your non monogamous identity. Um, The more of a support system you have in this, the more role models, the more interesting um, media and podcasts and things to nourish your mind, the less isolated you're going to feel when things get hard, when you feel difficult emotions, and the more compersion will become this kind of easier and culturated thing um i know a lot of people who told me you know i asked my research participants like how did you learn conversion did you learn it do you think it can be taught and a lot of people told me oh i just learned by example i saw that other people you know were just fine and happy about their partner's other relationships so i just learned that it could be fine so i let it be fine
0: that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And non-monogamous people or not, 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 wow, flip. Can monogamous people experience compersion? Mm, Yes. Yes.
1: You can experience it towards your partner's hobbies. (laughs) You can experience it towards your partner's work, other friendships, other family relationships. Um, Monogamous people definitely, you know, oftentimes do experience jealousy and envy of their partner, and that can come as a wall in the relationship. And pretty much everything, not every little thing that I said here, but a lot of what I said can be applied to monogamous people. You know, feeling secure within oneself, feeling secure within the relationship, having support systems outside of the relationship. You know, a lot of filling your own plate will enable you to feel happy when your partner is experiencing joy outside of you. And conversely, if you feel like you have an empty plate, individually and relationally, you're not going to feel good when your partner experiences joy elsewhere. So it's really the same principle. Love that. Love that.
0: So if someone is sitting at home, their partner is on a date and they are feeling jealous and compersion. Mm. We've talked a lot on this podcast and in workshops about the navigating jealousy portion. Yeah. And while compersion is generally a, a more positive experience, I'm wondering if you Want to speak to kind of navigating compersion and the best way to hold on to it and really help it grow while in the, pre- especially while in the presence of jealousy.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I would um, ask people to also imagine, like, well, what were moments where you felt, you know, joy and sadness at the same time? And then you held on to the positive narrative. Like, Let's say you broke up with someone and you're feeling a lot of pain, a lot of grief, but you're also feeling like, "Wow, that was the right decision, and my life is going to move on in a beautiful direction." You're not going to stop feeling the negative stuff, but you know you can definitely remind yourself over and over, like, "This is my choice. My life is moving in a positive direction." And with the with compersion, I think it's similar. You can Keep reminding yourself of why you chose non-monogamy in the first place. What are the benefits that you are gaining from it? Why does it make sense? And also you can tune into your partner emotionally and remember like, okay, like what kind of relationship do I want with them? And what does love mean to me? Okay. If I want... A relationship where I respect their sacred autonomy, and they respect mine. I can really tune into their happiness and not, you know, make it all about me. So there's kind of like both the cognitive and the emotional piece that you can really cultivate. Um, yeah. Yeah. What What does
0: compersion feel like in the body? What is the somatic experience of conversion?
1: So it depends. For each person, it's going to be a little bit different. But people in my research who do have this experience of embodied conversion, and again, not everyone does. Some people just have more of a cognitive experience of it. But people who do experience it somatically will say things like, oh, it feels like champagne bubbles in my face. It feels like warmth. It feels like um a presence or a, a sensation in my heart so oftentimes they would feel it in their face or in their heart um and actually with some people they experience a lot of erotic compersion maybe the compersion for them is also very sexual and they experience it in their genitals and in form of turn on when their partner is being sexual with someone else Um, That's another whole subsection of conversion is the erotic one. So it can really be experienced in many ways. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. This is like such a dense episode. I'm like really thrilled (laughs) about this conversation and I know that like, I'm going to listen to it and I'm sure that people are going to listen to it uh, again. Um, Just to, tap us off, Marie. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to leave people with today or make sure that we we do touch on?
1: Mm, good question. Um, no, I mean, I could talk about compersion all day, as you can see, uh, but there's nothing really crucial, I think, that we missed. I mean, again, I just want to reiterate um, that compersion is not a mandate. It can often feel like if you're not feeling this kind of embodied compersion. You're not doing non-monogamy or polyamory correctly. And that's just not true. Oftentimes it takes a lot to just get to a place of neutrality where you're okay with your partners that are relationships. And that has to be enough. Like sometimes I get people actually in my coaching practice coming to me and saying, I am so jealous. We just opened a relationship. All of this is happening. I'm going crazy. How do I feel compersion? And I always bring them back to like, no, like this is not the goal right now. We're just going to try to bring you to a place of okayness. because if you try to achieve or reach this ideal of conversion from a place of extreme distress, you might make things worse. You might put more pressure on yourself and feel more shame and more distress. So make sure that you manage your expectations. It's good to know that these experiences of compersion are available, but not to use them as a stick to beat yourself with, in a sense. Use them as a flashlight. Use them, you know, use the jealousy and the compersion or the lack of compersion to illuminate what is actually happening in my relationship and what can be improved. What can I work on individually and with my partner and with my community? Beautiful.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And for anyone who wants to reach out to you, learn more about your work, we'll list everything in the show notes. But for anyone who's more auditory, where can folks find you?
1: Yeah, so I created a website called whatiscompersion.com. Super easy to remember. Love that. And I actually have a free little ebook on there where you can take a little um, there's a little um how do you call it, like spreadsheet or worksheet and look at those different factors I talked about today and determine which ones are strongest, which ones are weakest, and what might you want to work on more in your, you know, compersion roadmap. So please download that and join my email list and I'll keep you updated with future publications and research and all that kind of stuff.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Marie yeah thank you for having me that's all for today you sexy folks what questions came to mind as you were listening continue the conversation with me over on instagram at the right underscore rachel and don't forget please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together